Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, play assigned prints and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. After a trip to Millwall, it's always nice to get back to civilization. It's just a shame we didn't bring any points with us. And speaking of graceless idiots, we look back at Billy Davies' visit to Ellen Road. Plus, has anyone reminded you lately that it's just 10 years ago that Leeds were in the Champions League? Hello to you. Welcome along to the Square Ball Podcast, and I would like to welcome along in the studio Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. A quick word first about the Square Ball magazine. We are in the throes of putting together issue nine uh, at the moment. That's going to be out at the weekend for the Watford game. We'll give you full details on how you can get your hands on that towards the end of the podcast. But do get online. If you want to buy anything at the minute, by the way, via the Square Ball shop, it's offline because we're upgrading the software. So just drop us an email. Details can be found on the website at thesquareball.net. As you may be well aware by now, you can also read our blog on there, also at the same web location. And if you want to get in touch with us, email podcast at thesquareball.net. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Right then, white watching and a very eventful fortnight to talk about. A win, a defeat, plenty of goals as always, five in each game. We don't want to talk straight away about Billy Davis, but uh, Leeds 4, Forest 1 on Saturday the 2nd of April. He's had a lot to say about it afterwards. We had a lot to say about him in the run-up to the game and it was proved correct, Michael. Yeah, he just has got absolutely uh, no idea about taking responsibility for something. His players got in and got sent off, and he somehow has blamed that on somebody else. Are we all agreed it was a sending off? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. You defended it quite vehemently, didn't you, uh, Moscow? There's a weird thing about it in that I don't mind a tackle like that. Part of me that kind of prefers football with tackles flying in of that style. But it was a sending off. He missed the ball by miles. He had both feet off the ground. He was out of control. He went straight through George McCartney and could have broken George McCartney's legs. And that's why Simon Grayson ran on the pitch. It wasn't, um, I don't think it was, oh, I've got a chance of getting their player sent off. It was, you nearly broke my incredibly valuable left-back's legs. And Mr. Lee, while from a fan's point of view, there may have been a potential upside to a moderate <laughs> injury to... Um, the only left-back. To, to Sunderland's, <laughs> Sunderland's valuable left-back. But, um, yeah, you can't do things like that anymore. He did get the ball slightly, but it was fairly lucky that he did because he came in from such a long way away. Yeah. He and must he... have leaped about 10 feet. <laughs> yeah. Jackie Chan style. Yeah. Yeah. And it was only when they slowed it down to frame by yeah. frame and like, oh, he just scrapes the ball. So, yeah. And that was, um, I think it was Danny Mills at, um, on the BBC said that it was um, it was dangerous play, but he got the ball, so he shouldn't have been sent off. It's like, but if you said... He got the ball, but it was dangerous play. That's ascended off as far as I'm saying. So the fact that he managed to just touch the ball moderately on his way on his way past at about fifty miles an hour with his studs up. I red think card. It, is it a case of differentiating the intent? And we don't think the intent was there, but the recklessness of it. He didn't intend to break his leg. I'm sure he did. It was a hundred percent committed jump for the ball, but it was a jump for the ball. Yeah. But it was a jump, and that was the yeah. problem, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was reckless. It was a loose ball with two players going for it. You can't lunge like that. And people said, "Oh, McCartney's feet were off the floor as well." McCartney. That's what happened in the rules. He yeah. had it under. <laughs> it was under McCartney's control. It was Cohen. He was. Um, let's make it sound worse than it really was. Scissor kicking through the air like a <laughs> no. I mean, he, he was the one who was 
flying around with his, his legs all over the place. And, and yeah, if you and, watch it in real, t- watch it back in real time. Yeah, I it's really fast. Yeah, yeah, I recoil and I went, ooh. My first yeah, thought when I saw it was red card. Yeah. And then my second thought was, go on, Grayson, smack him. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone else's reaction was uh, as well. Who's that down? McCartney. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> well, if you do watch <laughs> it back. to ten men. <laughs> <laughs> if you do watch it back, there's one of the angles where it shows the people in the West End and there's a guy sat with his arms folded who doesn't even move. Even like <laughs> ten seconds after it, still sat with his arms folded. Stands up, golf clap. <laughs> Do it again. Hurting this time. So the um, the flying kung fu tackle has, has been pinned down by everybody as pretty much the turning point of the match. It wasn't looking too good up to that point before that, was it? They were pretty much in control and we were looking our shaky selves of the last few weeks. They had 11 players. It wasn't fair. <laughs> they were in control, but I don't think they, they were overpowering us. I don't think it took probably a good 20 minutes from have a decent shot on target, I think. Yeah, they didn't create many chances, but as we've seen, you don't particularly need to create chances against us. You just need to have the ball long enough to wait for our defence to fall apart. And we did have quite a few attacks that got broken down with cynical fouls. Had we got through or Stoggas got through down the wing, we might have had a better chance of having attempts in the first half. It is worth mentioning that Forest were quite a dirty team. They were. Yeah, they, they seemed like they'd been sent yeah. out to kickers everywhere, yeah. didn't they? So, fuck you, Billy Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had four bookings. I'm sure there were more than four bookings in that game for them. And they're all cynical. They're all shoulder charges or obstructions when someone's going to get free down the wing. Yeah, there was Gunter did one of them, wasn't he? The yeah. guy who stamped on what in the first game. I think yeah. their, their left-back as well who had, a, <laughs> had a lunge at Snodgrass as well. On the right wing in the first I think that's what's probably been overlooked in the analysis, that they'd been sent out to rough us up, yeah. hadn't they? To get in their faces, kick them about a bit, and the red card was as a result of that. Mm. So it's entirely their own fault that they ended up getting thumped 4-1. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with Billy Davis and his failure to take any responsibility for anything he ever does. And the thing I actually like about Billy Davis very much is that um, he generally um, fails. He is not only a bad loser... Just the loser in general. I mean, the thing at half time when he came marching onto the onto the pitch and, and sort of did a crouching clap towards the forest fans and started pumping his arms in the air as if, come on, make some noise, second half. We'll really do these. Yeah, four one. Cheers, Billy. <laughs> Good effort. And the same back at Preston when it was the whole job done thing. Yeah, yeah, job done. Playoff final. Here we come. Yeah, not going to happen, is it, Billy? Because you're a loser. And <laughs> and same again. He's like, right, we'll get out there. We'll get into Leeds. We'll smash him. And we'll win this game easy. No, you'll have a player sent off and you'll lose. It's the story of Billy Davis. I'm going to go into that newsagent, going to buy a paper and a packet of fags. No, he, he comes out, he's been the victim of a, a hold-up. He's been caught in crossfire. It's just, it's, it's... Didn't have any idea with him. I'm going to go into that chemist, I'm going to buy a bottle of shampoo and a packet of condoms. Comes out with just toothpaste because he lost his nerve. It does strike the me... the story of his life. Yeah, he strikes me as a man who's... Perhaps mentally... He's barely a man. ...on a knife edge. <laughs> and um, he's... I think it's fair to say he's, he's quite a good manager, but then when he reaches the, the ceiling of his limitations, he doesn't know what to do and he starts to go a bit mad. He's kind of... Physically, he's a hybrid of Ferguson and Redknapp in that he's, he's got a dour Scottish yet melting face and he seems to have the... Ferguson's kind of brass neck for blaming other people, but without any of the trophies. I may you continue to fail, Billy. <laughs> we looked good against ten men on the upside. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't always. No, this is fair. true. Gradle, a uh, couple of neat goals, whole thing. House and bursting from midfield. Maybe we can just well, I'd, written, I'd written House and off at half time. <laughs> I'd written most of them off. And Gradle had uh, wasted a couple of chances as well, but he, that's the thing with him this season. He just keeps uh, keeps plugging away and he'll never stop shooting. That's the thing with Gradle in everything he does. It's even when he, he's just trying to get round a player, even though blocks, he just keeps. I always thought his way of beating the players was keep booting it against the other player's legs until it bounces off the other side and then he can run and get it. And it's just, I think that's how he gets a lot of his even moderate success. Even when he's sent off, he won't, he yeah. won't, <laughs> he won't go. Won't take no for an answer. <laughs> All right, then I think the, the key feature about our failure to start in that game was that we couldn't impose ourselves on the match and it, that carries us over, I guess, into Millwall that did a similar sort of thing again. And We'll turn to you here, Michael, because you're the only one of us who actually went to this match. So uh, talk us through what happened... Why did it all go wrong? I was a bit drunk to just get that out there to start with, but um, and that was on a dry train as well. <laughs> remember? <laughs> oh, I got away with it on the train. It was only the East Coast Main Line. I was fine on my whole train. They, they, they didn't care. Presumably, they thought people coming from Hull would be drunk anyway, so they didn't, they didn't bother. But um, yeah, it was the same old story that we never looked particularly promising going forward, and 
even though they weren't creating a great deal, it's just a matter of time. And then the free kick came, and I'm fairly sure Casper should have saved it. He seems to get quite a decent hand on it, but failed to push it around the post. And then they were on top, apart from the five minutes before and after we scored, they were the better team throughout. Do you think we're soft? Yes, I do. I didn't see this on Saturday, so I don't know, but I'm starting to think we are, yeah. I think that's why Livermore got stuck in ahead of Bannon, but he, you know, he's a teenager. Is it? Well, maybe not so much anymore, but he's young. Yeah, we're sending out a bunch of pansies in midfield, and they get beaten up. But we've known this for nearly two years now. You say that, but I think we've one of the things we've really lacked recently has been Kilkenny because a lot of our best play comes from him collecting it off the back four and building things in a meaningful way. Whereas when he's not there, we we tend to just pump it forward to Gradle's head, which is uh, probably the worst idea that we could come up with. It's strange, isn't it? You wonder what must go through the defender's mind. It's like, Kilkenny isn't there. We've got a player on loan who seems to be a little bit better. I better just bump it long. <laughs> but that's that's his fault for not for not dropping back to collect it. Maybe they're used to defenders who, who are more willing to play the ball and run out with it a little bit, but all our defence will do is generally pass it amongst themselves until mm. one of them gets bored and smashes it upfield. I suppose that's the thing is Kilkenny goes back and gets it, doesn't he? He does he so drop he drops them. he drops into the line with the back four and then he brings it forward. And I think that's that's why we've not had as much attacking threat, just because we've not had the, kept the ball for as, as long. We'll miss him next season then. When we don't renew his contract. It's looking that way, isn't it? I don't think he's an irreplaceable player, but we've not got anyone else who, who is doing what, what he does. So, well, I mean, in a way, we're talking about relying on a player doing something that you shouldn't have to do because the defender should be playing it to a, a right position instead of waiting for him to come all the way back. So it's something that instead of keeping Kilkenny forever, just because he's the only one who can be bothered to go back and get the ball off O'Brien, we should train the defenders to... Uh, is it just that we need better footballers? Properly? We need we need better footballers, and the problem is that we haven't got a, a massively good record of getting better footballers in positions where we really really need them. Good record know? of getting decent footballers in and doing pretty well with them playoff positions with you know. But decent, what we've got. as we know that you know this season as we've slightly fallen away from the auto race and now towards the foot of the playoffs, decent won't get you promotion. You know, assuming that we don't go up this season by whatever means next season. If we stick with a similar squad, it's not going to happen again, is it? We should try signing some indecent players. It's an option. <laughs> uh, nice to see the local folks down at Millwall being as friendly and, uh, well, as welcoming as ever. Well, they'd organised something for us, at least. It's just pathetic. Predictable and pathetic. I don't think anyone should react to it, personally. I think if, it'd, be, it'd be nice if everyone had just continued to look straight forward at the pitch and just let them mm. wave it around, wave the flags around for five minutes and then they'd have just gone, oh... No one's bothered about us, which is exactly what Millwall can't live with, just people not being bothered. That's why, they have to, even though they're a nothing club that never wins anything, they have to make themselves appear important by just annoying people and being dickheads. It's a scathing assessment. <laughs> and what I've got to say, actually, it's well, very well their record Worth mentioning, their record crowd. I doubt they made banners for every, anybody else this season. They had several as well. The Sutcliffe 13-0 one was a, the most bizarre one. Mm, but I don't know what the nil uh, was signifying. What's no. The fact that he's still alive, I don't know. It's incomprehensible, and it's only—it's probably only because Red Riding trilogy was on telly, like within the last year or so. So, well, be, before that, would anybody really? Have, I mean, it, the charming thing about the turkey flags was that at least half the people were holding them the wrong way around because they clearly have no idea which uh, which way it should go. The other odd thing about it, with what Millwall and the police have said today, is they said that they really, after last year's events, they clamped down on it this year. <laughs> They made a big deal about preventing people from going in with uh, printed out flags. There was a guy handing them out, wasn't there? Hundreds yeah, of them. Yeah, that's the thing. There was someone obviously handing them out and there were stewards about and no one no one did anything. That was frustrating. If that's a clampdown, I'm going to go down there and start committing crime. <laughs> to be honest, in, in that area, I think you'd, be, uh, you'd, you'd have to do quite a bit to get noticed. <laughs> And the, the leader's a shithole banner, I mean, Jesus Christ. Obviously, yeah, Bermondsey is not the... You wouldn't go on your holidays. If you're going down to London, you wouldn't look for hotels around It's there. not a cultural centre, is it? I mean, <laughs> no. no. I think the thing that probably riled me most about the reaction to the turkey flags and the Galatasaray shirts and stuff, as you say, they, they said they've, uh, they were trying to prevent it. And it seems to have been suggested that the police said that they weren't prepared to wade in and deal with it in the ground because it might cause a riot because they didn't have the the numbers there to justify it. So it's like, well, when the police are just basically refusing to do their job against citizens who are clearly trying to incite trouble, shall we say, you've got to ask what's the world coming to, particularly when you see the police presence at most Leeds away games, which is nigh on ridiculous most of the time. Have you seen the, the statement they've released today as well, saying that they'll... Uh... We've already identified a number of people and will continue to work tirelessly using all possible evidence to identify and prosecute perpetrators. 
how many people do you think will actually get in any kind of trouble for this? Because even from the pictures that, that have been taken, there's maybe like 100 people on these pictures, and you can see at least 25 of them with these printouts. So are they realistically going to ban maybe 100 people plus? Abs- there's absolutely no chance. And although admittedly one of the people holding the banner was about a six-month-old baby on one of the pictures, so you can't maybe, you can't maybe hold him responsible for that. <laughs> So that's the stuff on the pitch dealt with. Let's deal with the stuff off the pitch now. And as always in this section, let's turn our attention to transfers and loans and so on, uh, first of all. And this one, hot off the press today, Mike Greller returns tail somewhat between legs from Swindon. Worrying for him. He's been at Swindon and Carlisle now and ended up back at Leeds both times. And not particularly in happy circumstances. Well, Carlisle I don't think ended too badly, but there was definitely, he was annoyed about being played right wing and then annoyed about being substituted in the game and was sort of arguing with the manager. And then it sounds like... Although Mike Greller... Well, even he said that he's come back because under new management I wasn't getting games. And his reason for going to Swindon was to help them and get games in. It's like, well, he's never he's never actually been a footballer, has he? He's not had, <laughs> He's never had that experience of... I think part of when you send a player on loan, it's not just about getting games in, it's about learning to be a first-team player, and part of that is playing out of position and being dropped. And it seems like every time that's happened, he's got a bit annoyed and just packed it in. He basically needs a player-manager job somewhere, so he can <laughs> he can make sure he picks himself in, in his preferred position every single game. It is beginning to look like one of the reasons why he's not got in at Leeds, maybe attitude as much as the fact well, that he's not, not that great a striker. Well, yeah, is, I mean, is it a, a case that he perhaps... Role. Uh, and again, we don't want to read too much into it because we don't know all the facts, but that maybe he considers his ability to be better than maybe it actually is. That's what I meant by attitude problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can't get in the team at Swindon as well, then it, it's not the manager's fault. He can't blame everybody else because he can't get into a League One side. He couldn't get into a League One side when he was with us. can't get into a League One side with Swindon Town. A struggling League One side. Yeah. So League Two awaits. <laughs> well, he wouldn't go there, would he? He wouldn't go. He wouldn't go drop that far to play for Bradford. He turned that down. So he might have just been to Bradford. Yeah, he could still live in Leeds and play for Bradford. Still, still playing for Bradford. Yeah. <laughs> Nunes is doing better though. Yeah, he's supposed to be in pretty decent form for uh, for Scunny, isn't he? He's had one good game, but no, they beat um, top of the table. QPR hammered them. A Nunes-inspired performance, we're led to believe, which is um, pretty exciting. Is there a touch of the Sommers then from last year about this where you know, he's going away and doing great things somewhere else and uh, perhaps giving a, a suggestion that he might be able to do a decent job at Leeds eventually? I just hope we don't wait as long to uh, give him a chance because, like you say, this time last year we were really struggling with the goals. Beckford was sulking and yet there was uh, Sommer on loan at Lincoln scoring a goal a game and we, we didn't bring him back for some reason. And of course, his contract up in the summer. Yeah, I think it's been difficult for... Nunes, because although he's looked great in the reserves and great for Honduras, he's been playing against absolute rubbish. So it is that case of a loan move being necessary to actually see him play for someone else. And if he turns out to be... I mean, we thought Andy Hughes was going to be the saviour of Scunthorpe, but if it's the Hughes-Nunes dream team that was staring us in the face all along, we'll have to bring them both back. <laughs> a good look to him, though. It is, it's good that he's going to get um, a decent chunk of playing time each week because for us he would be like the last 10 minutes throw him on a something different kind of uh, option so yeah if he can if he can get a good bit of experience under his belt then go somewhere else at the end of the season I've still liked it I'd like him to play for Leeds every bit I've seen of him he looks really good but it has just been the case that he's not really been up against anybody any time um, and Clayton scored as well we nearly forgot he scored the winner for sadly um It'll, it won't be recorded because... Uh, <laughs> He's not um, playing for a real club. <laughs> yeah, it was an imaginary goal, but... Um, perhaps, it's like Melchester um, Rovers. Uh, no, because that, that was the stuff that people dreamed of. This was this team are just nightmares. Nightmare. Which was filmed at Millwall, I think. What, Rove the Rovers? Oh, I'm thinking of... Uh, You're thinking of Dream Team. Dream, Dream, Dream Team. Dream Team. Either way, playing the scores. <laughs> and it was a last-minute winner as well. And I think um, maybe to bring it back to Grella, because Clayton was uh, left out for that one. Ended up coming on a sub, scoring a winner. That's that's how you do it. Even if you're not a real football team who don't pay your wages anyway. <laughs> but you can't argue with somebody scoring a last-minute winner from the bench. And you've had a chance now to look at Livermore, Michael, when you went down to Millwall. So what do you make of his uh, performance? Is he the play we need to drive us on towards promotion? Not based on that game. But then again, you'd say that about the whole lot of them. Based on that game. <laughs> he looked good against Forrest when he came on. 
but admittedly they were tired and down to ten men. So we'll see. He looks big and strong. He loves to like. turn me on. I knew that was coming. I'm, I'm glad you didn't know that. <laughs> He's another option, I suppose, and we do lack central midfielders. But we've got plenty of options. Lots of options, but none of them quite the yeah, option that we yeah, need, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Round okay. pegs, square holes. Let's turn our attention to matters financial, then. The statement about the accounts is out. We haven't yet seen the accounts in full. Operating loss, overall profit, the operating loss being blamed exclusively on the bonus payments related to us getting the club promoted into the championship. In our completely amateur lay position, what do we make of all this then? It's not just the bonus payments, it's uh, ground maintenance as well as Ken Bates. Maintenance. Ken Bates pointed out that there are miles and miles of pipes that the fans don't realise that there are miles and miles of pipes and cables that um, have to be maintained Maintained. (laughs) and that costs a lot of money. It's impossible for any of us to tell, even as laymen, because they put out a statement about the accounts saying that they're brilliant, um, but the accounts don't appear to have made it to company's house yet, so we can't see them. Well, we are going to have a full analysis on this by an expert. When I'm going to say, not by us. We'll get someone, <laughs> we'll get someone in who knows what they are half, talking about. Yeah, half a clue about what they're talking about. So we'll, we'll be able to flesh it out a little bit further down the line. But it all seems to roughly make sense. I mean, the... the, the thing to notice is that it looks like we've got very high other expenses of around 15 million pounds when wages etc are taken out so that could be anything from like you say rabbits police bills maintenance being on telly remember he does yep. that costs us money as well legal costs if that <laughs> were to be something perhaps that we may have incurred as a club so it's a good job ken doesn't take a penny out of the club or we could be in some real financial difficulties it's a fair point but um I think it's worth pointing out that as some of the details have been sort of trickled out about this, that we've paid Michael Doyle £10,000 a week for the sake of getting promoted. So it turns out we were paying 5000 as it was, which was half his wages, wasn't it? Um, and then Coventry paid the other five grand a week. But if we got promoted, we shouldered the lot. So we've paid the man £10,000 a week in Division 3 to get us promoted. What's the world coming to? That is a lot of money for <laughs> Michael Doyle. And the strange thing about that is that, I mean, all footballers' wages are completely ridiculous. That's that's not Leeds United's fault or Ken Bates' fault. But you would think that you would arrange a deal like that where we pay half his wages and then we pay all of his wages if we get promoted on the understanding that we could afford to pay all his wages if we got promoted. And yet, as it's turned out, is that is now being blamed for us making an operating loss. Yeah, that would suggest... Someone didn't want us to go up. Or that somebody <laughs> didn't do the sums properly. I yeah. mean, it's the, it's it was the same last year that we made an operating loss, but through player sales we made a profit. Only the, And the difference this year has been that we've made a bigger operating loss, but still managed to make a profit through through player sales. So and the the club's headline is, is profit, because that is the, the final thing. But the club doesn't actually seem to be being run profitably. There's always that but operating loss but we ended up making a profit somehow so it'll be we'll, well it'll be interesting the, to see the, the full un, the underlying point is that we can't just carry on relying on player sales yeah to, to fund whatever we need to do i mean we got lucky as well that we had the liverpool home game the spurs home game uh, the man united away game spurs away game so that's bumped things up and it's fair enough you know if we've, if we've got that money into then uh factor it into the budget and spend it again that's okay but it's this money for Delft, relying on you know player sales mm. and we've had it you know the year before haven't we as well wise left the compensation for the uh, chelsea kids the everton kids so on and so forth it's we're relying on on this compensation and transfer fees to try and balance the books a little bit maybe the point about um doyle's wages so i would maybe say although nobody could quite work out what it was that he did he played practically every game and uh and maybe he was worth ten thousand pounds a week for promotion Gary McSheffrey's promotion bonus. <laughs> I have a little bit of uh, was a little bit more of a problem. It appeared to be the same deal same that deal, we, yeah. we paid half his wages while he was here, and then agreed to uh, to pay them all when we went up. Um, the fact that he contributed absolutely nothing, and I mean, people have pointed at uh, Simon Grayson um, for not being able to keep the players going to the end of the season. I think it was the demotivation of having Gary McSheffrey out the club that that very nearly derailed our entire promotion season. And despite him dragging us down like a, a, a lead weight around a, a drowning deep-sea diver's um, Legs. oxygen line. 
<laughs> he still managed to come out of it handsomely rewarded. Has anyone seen Coventry's uh, financial figures? Have they been released? I'm sure they'll make a... I don't know, but Coventry is screwed, aren't they? Ray Ransom's just uh, just quit as chairman, hasn't he? Yeah, well, basically we've paid two of their players for a season. Yes, that's a good point. I mean, it's worth mentioning that in the context of football accounts, these are actually quite good. Yeah. They're just not as good as we might have hoped. Having mm. had such a good season last year where we, there was all this unexpected income from, from Delft and from all the cup games, which were completely lucky that we just happened to draw those teams. They're also possibly not as good as the club presents them. Or as we're told throughout the season. I mean, Bates never shuts up about how much profit we're making. Except when the, the season ticket prices are announced. It, it's a very up and down. It's because he, he hadn't opened his heating bill, had he, by that stage? <laughs> he hadn't seen the price of uh, pipe maintenance lately. <laughs> <laughs> he had seen the prices, hadn't he? Because that's why he put the season ticket prices up. To offset the heating bills. But he forgot about the pipe maintainers. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's stop we taking it all so, uh, so blooming literally and blooming well, minded. But you know, until we see the Yorkshire radio maintenance uh, accounts as well. Also worth keeping an eye out for uh, other companies that appear to have made it into the Leeds United or the Leeds City Holdings Group. There's one called uh, Leeds United Pavilion. Is it Leeds United Centenary Pavilion Limited? I believe. Mm, yes. Is that the biggest pavilion-based company between <laughs> Newcastle and Manchester? Oh, yeah, this cynicism. It gets to the end of the season and the cynicism just completely takes We're always away. cynical. Come yeah. on. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing with um, things like the Pavilion and the, the Future Hotel is that they're supposed to be for the benefit of Leeds United, yet they seem to be set up as separate companies. Well, do we even All know under what... the forward sports fund umbrella, I'm sure, but who the flip are they? <laughs> well, indeed, which is a whole new can of worms, isn't it? Um we were mentioned in the programme notes, uh, you again, Michael, for the second time in, in six months. He, he seems to like you, does Ken? Well, or not like me for some reason, I don't know. I don't know why he keeps mentioning this, to be perfectly honest. It was a, a bit of a nothing story, you would imagine. But now he seems to uh, find it amusing, so... Well, it was in the context of, re- of demanding transparency because he's obviously come under the spotlight with the, the whole football governance thing and it, and it feels like the club is now being manoeuvred into a corner in terms of revealing who owns it. He didn't come under the spotlight, he cried off sick. Well, yeah, but, you know, he sent little but when boy I say Harvey he, I mean he, the, yes. you know, as a representative of the club. Just throwing in a cheap jibe. Yes, yes. That the club is, you know, now being manoeuvred towards a position of disclosure and it seems like he's trying to deflect the pressure via his programme notes onto supporters club, um, us, uh, anybody who who's not him, basically. And uh, it was a little bit of a cheap shot, wasn't it, on his part, really, trying to suggest that we're not transparent. Yeah, it was unfair and even if we weren't transparent, we're a bloody optional magazine which is sold for a quid. It's not in any way the same as people having to spend five, six hundred, seven hundred pounds a year going to watch a football club. It's an entirely different business. People aren't reliant upon us in any way. If we disappeared, it wouldn't actually matter particularly. But he would turn around and counter this by saying that but we rely on Leeds United, his business, in order to function. Yeah, but so what? I don't see what the, I don't see what the <laughs> We're a completely separate entity. I don't see that it's any of his business. We're also not owned offshore. That's the the, the crucial thing, is that (laughs) even if there is some uh, causal link between Leeds United giving us our subject, we aren't owned by an offshore trust controlled by secretive powers in Switzerland. Yet. Again, more more (laughs) truth. More truth on the pod. Um, Or are we? (laughs) <laughs> I would also point out this is twice this season that he's ran that story in the programme notes and that he charges three quid for that thing he's recycling material I don't think we've yet to run the same story twice in the square ball in uh, in all it's, it's two years under our, under current management <laughs> we've rehashed a few of the jokes I think <laughs> <laughs> recycled a lot of that yeah but no, I think it did feel like a little bit of a cheap shot and a little bit below the belt. But um, we we did write a little response, which you can read on our blog at thesquareball.net. And it was just a case of setting the record straight. And it was all in the context, as we have mentioned previously on the pod, of when you were at the fans forum, Michael, and you asked him for an interview. And then disappeared into the night, as he <laughs> as he put on the... Um... On the in the program. I hope you didn't disappear on your own because it's a bit shady around there in Beast of, the, of an evening. <laughs> I think maybe you lost my number. It was a, a plea for uh, a plea for help for, to get back in touch. If it's a solicitor's letter that does arrive, then maybe we'll have to shift ownership offshore. Yeah, well, he mm. knows where we live. We know where he lives as well. So it would, well, it, would, <laughs> it, it would be great to get the fabled interview with him, just to ask him a few straightforward questions. I don't think we'd be particularly harsh with him. Just ask a few questions that we'd no doubt get deflecting answers for, so, you know. We'd maybe be a little bit more difficult to deal with than Ben Fry. Maybe a touch, but, you know, will that interview ever arrive? I seriously doubt it. We wouldn't probably finish interviews with uh, 
So, you must be really pleased with how the sales for the Mother's Day dinner are going this Sunday, which is what normally how it ends on uh, on Yorkshire Radio. It's almost like it's scripted a little bit, isn't it? Almost. <laughs> Tell us about this wedding fair. From that then, let's talk about something that's good news for Leeds. Um, Howard's Restaurant has won an award. Well done to them. Yeah, fair enough. Good food. This award may uh, bring it to Casper Schmeichel's attention, who, um, despite driving past it um, every match day, claimed never to have heard of it when somebody <laughs> asked him if he'd ever been on Twitter. Didn't know what they were talking about. You've not got the memo then on the... Uh... <laughs> not quite got that one. For the press. So well done to the uh, to the staff at Howard's. It's nice to know you can get a good bite to eat down at Ellen Road. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. So if you've had the good fortune of watching our fantastic football club uh, live on the TV at any point during the last decade or so, you'll be aware that there's this ongoing trend of mentioning how many years it is since Leeds were in the Champions League. So we thought we'd bring it back up again and uh, point out to you that it's oh, 10 years now since Leeds were in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, isn't it? When we uh, Semi-finals. Well, I know, but it's quarterfinal week at the minute and it's the last time we won in the Champions League, isn't it? When we thumped... Deportivo 3-0. See, that's the twist we've put on it. Normally, Tildesley, they refer to the semi-finals as the high point. Well, Tildesley's we normally mentioning that famous night in Barcelona most I was going to say, actually, that as annoying cliches go, that 10 years since Leeds were last in the semi-finals, and that famous night in... But they're both really te- teeth grinders. So it is, it's, uh, it's 10 years since... Was it Rio slammed in the header, went off celebrating, and we thought... The world is our oyster. We're 3-0 up against the champions of Spain. What could go wrong? Ian Hart's free kick was my particular highlight that night just because I think you knew just the season he was having, there, was, there wasn't much doubt when he put the ball down at 25 yards out. He thought, he'll, he'll score this. He scored an absolute screamer for Reading at Forest on the weekend. An absolute belter from a free kick. He is um, turning into the new uh, Franz Beckenbauer in his, late, in his later years. I'm, I'm laughing at that. <laughs> Just there's no call for him to come back, though, like there is with Smith and Woodgate and all that. I think we're, we're, we've all got terribly scarred memories from watching him go backwards for, uh, against Kieran Dyer. And I think he here. might. Having seen Kieran Dyer the other week, I reckon they're probably a fair match now. Yeah. <laughs> so we thing with it in 10 years is they're all now people like Hart, Dyer and... Uh, Bowyer as well. Smith. Well, Bowyer was a little bit old, but they're, they're all old men now and... Coming to the twilight of their careers. Scott, I mean, I keep thinking about from that period, um, whenever I watch West Brom play, I mean, why does Scott Carson now look like Marvin Gaye? Just- <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> He's grown a massive, like Brian Blessed beard, and it's like, he was he was like I don't quite see the, the resemblance. Uh, you look at some okay. look at two photos of them side by side. You can barely tell the difference. Never been seen moment. in the same room together. They have not. So what is going on? Um, hey. <laughs> when we pitched up on ITV, and they'd, they'd say, "Who would think only four years ago or seven years ago? Doesn't matter. Ten years." Maybe this is this is the time to actually um, we get put it to bed. It's it's in the past, you know. A lot can happen in football in a couple of years, you know. There are Leeds fans around now who weren't even born when we were 
playing against Deportivo and winning, which is, a again, a strange sign that we're all getting a lot older. It's like what we mentioned last time, Gary Speed, Wales manager. This, is, this isn't going to be as much about um, the time since the Champions League run as he was, was all just going, getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I remember around that time when Smith came into the team, I remember thinking, he's not far off my age. He can't be a footballer. That, and, that, that was when I realised... He's not that, far off your age, so yeah. <laughs> he can't be a footballer. <laughs> that was when I realised my time had passed. And I was thinking, look at this young lad coming through. <laughs> well, Oddie, obviously that you're old, too old to be a footballer now, apart from as if you were Stanley Matthews, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm at that point now, because I'll be 33 in a few weeks, and it's getting to that last contract stage and yeah, I'm thinking yeah. maybe my time's gone about now everybody who's playing football who's any good is all they're all younger than me and it's a bit and disturbing Hart. apart from Ian Hart yeah of course and Lee Bowie but yeah it's, it gets a bit disturbing when you you say go on lad you know and, and there's no irony in it anymore because yeah. they're all <laughs> yeah just young lads young stupid yeah. idiots <laughs> with loads of money so Champions League then going back to that was it all worth it? Was any of it worth it? It was fun yeah, all the well, time. It's the highs and lows, isn't it? That's the ups and downs. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not trying to ask you to justify Ridsdale's living the dream, but... If you look at the other options, I mean, we could have just stayed in the league. Look at, like, Aston Villa or Everton, Bolton. Someone like that who, since the, that time, has done nothing. They've just plodded around, going to the same grounds each year. Oh, we've stayed up this year, that's quite good. Let's try and get in the Europa League. Let's try and get out, get the out of the Europa League. league. <laughs> That same pattern just recurring time and time again. So, I mean, at least it's been interesting. I think the thing that annoys me um, about that and the way that Ridsdale and O'Leary have always justified it is they always presented it as if there was no other option. You either had the Champions League for a season and then um, the whole club imploded and we got relegated to the division and took years to get back, or you just you had nothing. There was a third option, which was we get into the Champions League uh, we have a season of glory. We don't spend millions of pounds on Robbie Fowler and Seth Johnson and basically, you know, I, I dread to think what kind of wages, like, the sofas were on. We are probably, like, <laughs> finding a desk and opening the drawer and just putting money inside because it had done a good job. And that didn't have to happen. We could have... Bought a left-back. We could have bought a left-back. We could have just... We didn't have to be in the Champions League every year, but maybe after that one season of glory... We could then have gone to the UEFA Cup and just mm. middled around we it. We banked that money yeah. instead of it didn't pouring have, ourselves. It didn't it. have to hurt as much as it did. And, and it annoys me that Ridsdale and O'Leary still go on as if that was the only possible outcome to our, our season of success. I think the thing that hurts most is that we had such a promising team at the core of it and then, like you say, we padded it out with shit we didn't really need and then as a result we've... All the, when you look at all the players that have come through the youth system since, you think if they could have just been added to that pool of talent that we had, if we had Milner and Lennon and Delft and people like that just, just growing into that side, we could have actually been or as proper, we like to a call it, title challenging Howard team. Wilkinson's vision. <laughs> yeah, but instead, as we all know, we got Mike DeVries on loan at one stage. He scored a winner, though. Once. He did. Do you think we'll ever see the likes of that again when we're regularly in the Champions League? Because the landscape of football has changed so much that um, it's going to be hard for us to break into that top four. I, don't, I wouldn't say it's I impossible. I don't see why not. You never know what's around the corner. I mean, Man City, I guess, is the Man City, example. look at Chelsea 20 years ago. They were uh, they were a badly run club. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one went to see them, and now all of a sudden you get kids in Leeds wearing the shirts. Which okay, is, just, as a just, little, just as a little side point on Chelsea, I don't know if you noticed when they played Man United in the Champions League last week that there were uh, large swathes of the seats at the back of the... Um, Chelsea stands behind the goals that were unoccupied, maybe about five or six rows. And I thought, we, we sort of mulled it around on Twitter between a few of us, that it was something to do with the height of the advertising hoardings or clearance. And it actually turns out that it's not. It's down to the fact that the TV trucks have to park somewhere and block access to the gangways that allow you up there. It's and not, that's that. those ends at Chelsea are, are relatively modern constructions. Is there not much room to park around Stamford Bridge? Because <laughs> I remember in my youth you could park behind, behind the goal. The goal. <laughs> <laughs> they could have put the trucks there. Those um, those holdings, I mean, that's one of the things about the Champions League being a commercial joke. Um, those holdings... The 90 centimetre tall holdings, I just yeah, like so to we, say. Yeah, so we couldn't use the first three rows at Elland Road when, when mm. they put those up. But it's also the same reason why Arsenal have had to build their stand eight metres back from the edge of the pitch. It's so you can see over the boards. 
and I saw a discussion on a Liverpool fans message board about this same sort of thing when they were discussing the potential new Anfield in, St- in Stanley Park. That, Who were they blaming? That um, they would have to have the stand quite far back so you can, you know, so it's Champions League compliant, so you can get five star UEFA for rating, and that's why all these new stadia have got the stands way back. Saying that it's so that your Champions League compliant and can have a five star UEFA for rating is a very euphemistic way of saying it. So you can have massive adverts for booze. That's all it is. Booze and cars and computer games. That's the Champions League. I don't miss it. Give me. Let's get relegated again. <laughs> I actually um, have just scribbled down on my piece of paper saying, do we actually want to do it again? It's a fair point because football's changed into something that's quite an unattractive sport in many ways. I'm nervous about the Premier League. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- I don't think it'll be as bad if and when we get there as we fear it is because I think Leeds without being too big-headed, adds something to any division because we're a massive club, lots of travelling fans, people hate us, so it adds spice to it, doesn't it, you know? Uh, yeah, I think one thing that worries me is I'll start hating the players. Yeah. Because, I mean, there was a photograph on Casper Schmeichel's Twitter on the way down to, that he took on the way down to Millwall, of Neil Kilkenny and Lloyd Sand sitting in, um, in those 50p massage chairs you get in a service station. And they look like a pair of likeable Idiots, basically, <laughs> sitting there just messing about in service stations. Grinning simpletons. Grinning simpletons, <laughs> excellent way of putting it. And you don't get many grinning simpletons in the Premier League. They tend to be you all right. You get simpletons. You get, yeah, you get really <laughs> angry simpletons who seem to have a massive attitude problem. I mean, you just look at Rooney and it all swearing at the cameras thing, which has been blown out of all proportion. But that is the kind of people you start dealing with. And I... I I quite like the current crop of players, and I, I don't want them all to turn into Roonies and well, not Neville's. so much the players we've got turn into that. It's, it's bringing other players yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Would be like that. But do you think perhaps that Grayson's a little bit sort of anti that sort of player, and he likes his good, honest British professional? He seems to sort of favour that sort of player, doesn't he? You get relegated with that, though. But we're not in there to get relegated yet, are we? But then again, this team that's built around those sorts of players has shown it can compete with Premier League teams. You know, yeah. Spurs to a degree, Man United, Liverpool, Millwall. Yeah, but that says that we've, this is our first season in the Championship yeah. with this group of players. Another season, not not going up this season, won't do us any harm to have another season with that crop of players yeah. playing together. The obvious ones that are likely to leave, Eagle Kenny's and Johnson's. Maybe replaced with that central midfielder that we're desperate for. Moving on for next season, we'll be stronger again. Mm. I think the problem is, would we then be patient enough to say we're going to stick with these players? We'll start demanding the bigger names and the big money signings. And I can see, I can see us going up this season. Really? And then not getting into the kind of transfer market to that extent where we we buy expensive players. And then Grayson's sacked by Christmas because we're bottom of the league. And I would, my ideal would be if we stuck with this group of players for as long as possible because I think they are good. I just, I, I, I'm nervous about success yeah. I think and we've failure. Made, I would think we've all been slightly scarred by the experience because we had to watch all those players arriving and being optimistic about it and then slowly dripping away and we were still paying them years later and you just left feeling a bit bitter about the whole thing. Well, You're thinking I, this, isn't, this isn't what was promised. Yeah, I've just been, for the new issue of the square ball, writing about the first season back in the Championship when it didn't make economic sense for us to get rid of Michael Dubry. Krasner had a plan for that, didn't he? Well... um, Oh, was it Morris? Morris had a plan. Simon (laughs) Morris allegedly had a plan for him and Kelly, but... um, I had a back to him on Dubry, wouldn't you? Which, of course, there's there's no substance to. We would just like to say... For legal reasons. But, um, but yeah, it was just a mad situation where we no club would pay enough of his wages for us to... They said, well, we just may as well keep him at, at that rate because we wouldn't be able to replace him even though he was worse than a replacement that we could actually afford. Or even Barnby. He went he went dropped two divisions to Hull and they were only paying £3,000 of his £30,000 a week wages. <laughs> Absolute madness. It didn't have to be that way. But then again, if we, were, if we were to get back up and we were to start pushing for that end of the table... You know, what's to say that we couldn't do it with a, a reasonably honest bunch of uh, players that just enjoy it? I mean, it's it, the Blackpool, Blackpool thing. They've gone up and they've worked hard. They know they haven't got the greatest players. They've got a, a team who... All right, let, I'll put it another way then to, to flip the question on its head. Is success and being at the top end of the Premier League mutually exclusive to nice players, decent people? Chelsea, Scum and Man Liverpool City. and Man City... 
sort of suggests that, yeah, none of them are really nice. I mean, the hope is that everything goes in cycles and for the last 20 years, football's been on a ridiculous upward curve in terms of the money going into it. And you never know, it might all drop out of it again in a few years' time. There's enough debt there for things to explode in quite a spectacular way at some stage, so let's hope it does. And with Leeds being run so well as it is, with no debt, um, we could just leap in there. This is what I've been... Almost my ideal is I would quite like to just chip around in the Championship playing Nottingham Forest and, and... Nottingham Forest and some other reasonable northern types of clubs. And then when the Premiership does just completely implode, we'll quietly get promoted then when it, when the landscape's changed and every, everybody's wages has dropped by two-thirds. You're just wanting least. to be back in the 1980s again, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, 1980s with added um, post-apocalyptic anarchy. <laughs> we'll just mention, A mechanised uh, Sean Harvey, new chairman <laughs> of Leeds. Just going back to Blackpool, I read at the weekend that should they get relegated? All the players' salaries will halve. Good. And it's they've they've built that in. That they've also gone up and got some bonuses and got a pay rise. But should they go back down again? Yeah, it's, someone's done something sensible yeah. that you're not getting those wages if you don't stay up. Yeah. Flip it on its head. The Newcastle contract. Yeah. Well, when they they didn't have any relegation clauses in the contract and they made an absolutely whopping loss, didn't they? And they relegated. The um, what's the name of the player that they signed on loan at the start of the season and he had his leg really badly broken in his second game? Ben, ben Arthur. Yeah, and he had his leg broken, and then they've given him a four-year contract while he's been out with his leg broken. I mean, I don't want to ever follow the Newcastle <laughs> um, guide to running a football club. I think I like, there's a lot to admire about the, the Blackpool model, but what I worry about it is at Leeds is, I mean, there's a lot of Leeds fans who, considering this is our first season in the Championship, aren't happy to only be quite comfortably in the playoffs for three quarters of the season. And would we be able to settle for a group of honest, hard-working players near the bottom of the Premier League with a decent chance of survival. I've got to disagree with this point a little bit. I think most people in the grand scheme of things are happy, but I think it's the inconsistency that people don't like about this current team. Blackpool are consistently rubbish. No, but we we set a a, a decent high watermark. When we play well, we play really well, but when we play badly, we play very badly, and I think it's people getting their head around It's the expectation thing as well, because when we reached second, we were all going... Oh, we could maybe know. do this. Mm. Had we been 10th and we finished 7th, or been in the bottom half of the table and then finished 7th, thinking, ooh, we just missed out there. But Next yeah. season, we can... Consolidate. Consolidate. <laughs> well, sorry, just to undermine my own point, actually, and, and put the other side of the argument forward, actually, I think that we forget that being mid-table and upper mid-table is about, as we, we've spoken before, I said it's about as many defeats as it is victories. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually inconsistencies what comes hand-in-hand hand with being a mid-table team, isn't it? Yeah. It's not that you draw every game and you're a, you're a very average team. You're going to yeah. win a few and lose a few. And... Yeah. It's exactly what I said when we went second, is that if we end up finishing where we all wanted to finish at the start of the season, we're going to have to lose a ton of games. Yeah. And we have. And it's not been a lot of fun. We've not, drawn, we've not lost that many. Compared to the teams around us, no, we've not lost loads true. more. We've drawn more than anybody else, which is, you can see, see it's either been points lost. Had we won those games, we might have been comfortably in second. But also, we could have lost some of those games quite easily and been further down the table. You so, can see why yeah. this division's such a temperamental one in a way, can't you? That it's easy to go from being a promotion, pushing for promotion one year to getting relegated the yeah. year after. And maybe we fell victim to that when we... You know, we missed out against Watford getting promoted and then fell away the year after. That, In actual fact, it doesn't take a lot to go from one end of the table to another. Well, look at Blackpool last year. They were favourites for relegation at the start of the season. They ended up in the Premiership. Mm. And the, the, our game with Swansea has um, shown that really well as well, that we were we performed terribly and lost 3-0 and everybody was, you know, couldn't believe that we we were throwing this away. And Norwich, who are the team that were sort of comparing ourselves against those seasons because we came up with them went to Swansea at the weekend lost 3-0 performed terribly and they're like all the fans are like oh, we can't be throwing it away so it's it's a shit league but I, I can't I can't <laughs> I like, like it. it it's got yeah, a lot yeah. of charm hasn't yeah. it yeah it's 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 more um, you weren't in Millwall <laughs> yeah for, yeah again it's got more to it than, um, it's got more to it than someone like the Premier League where you know, Wigan v Bolton's on match of the day, Wigan v Fulham, any game involving Wigan. Not really too excited about it, but if QPR against Forest is on on a BBC tea time, then, yeah, tune in, have a look at that. So it's been 10 years since we were at that uh, very exciting 
last victorious stage of the Champions League. Where will we be in another 10 years' time? How's the next decade going to pan out for Leeds? We'll be visiting Oddie in the home. (laughs) (laughs) Six games to go in this season now then. Four of them coming up before we record the next podcast. We've got the trip to Derby and the Watford game. Category C, back of the net. Hey, yeah, And we've got the Reading TV appearance on Good Friday and the trip down to Palace as well. Four winnable games. We're going to win them all, aren't we? No. We never win Category C games. Is that the sound of optimism evaporating? I can I can hear. There have been some worrying moments in the last um, few games. And I mean, the Forest game papered over the cracks to a large extent because we've managed to win it on paper quite convincingly. But in reality, we would probably have lost that. And it continued to be 11 against 11, so I'm worried. I have remarked a couple of times via various media um, this last week or two that it feels a little bit like we've run out of steam this season. You get that impression? It feels a little bit like last season. Where we're getting to the end, back end of the season. They, they yeah, just Look how that ended. Yeah. <laughs> where we just sort of, we, we peaked earlier on in the season when we went, went on that unbeaten run. And now it's just starting to tail off a little bit. We're getting found out. We're looking a little bit tired. Knackered players, irritated fans. Yeah, the players do look tired, and that. If I've got one real bugbear about Simon Grayson, it's the fact that he's refusing to rotate his squad. I think he's got to rest um, Snoddy for Tuesday night because he he looked knackered again. He can come and stay at mine if he wants. Single bed? (laughs) Uh, No, double bed. I I wouldn't crowd him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in the wide positions, particularly because we've we've got we've got. In the wide positions, particularly because we do have options there, it is, it's is—it's been frustrating to watch the same players going out every single week, even when when you play Saturday, Tuesday, which I know footballers get a lot of stick for saying, oh, they get paid all this money, they can't play two games in a week or whatever. But, I mean... It's a more physical it, game than it used to be, isn't it? It is It is quite a lot of football to play. If I play, try to play one game of professional on. football, I won't be able to walk for about a month. Sorry to use swear words in this podcast, but you look at Ferguson and the way that he rotates his squads... Old bacon face, you know, he's always resting his best players, keeping them fresh, you know, chomping at the bit, isn't he? And we seem to maybe it's because we've got a limited squad, you know, we've got certain really good players, but isn't that why what we were complaining about early in the season that he didn't keep a regular side and let them play together? That he was always dropping people in, yeah, but just the defense, though, wasn't it? Really? It's anticipating when you're seeing people are going off the boil. I mean, like Housen's they remarked on the TV, didn't they, that Housen's played every game this season, the man has not been consistent enough to warrant being in that side every week and even if you're just going to leave him out for a week or a game you know give him a rest let some you know you've got McCormack who's scoring goals for fun in the reserves against the Gateshead girls one-legged side but give him a shot you, you bought him you paid money for him he was it was a he was a thought out cash signing use him it's weird as well with um, Bannon and Livermore turning up that Sanchez Watt is just what what is he it's my Mike, Mike Grello won't accept it surplus, sure. like, um, surplus to requirements but, basically isn't he I don't know that he's particularly any worse than Bannon or Livermore and at least he's been here all season and, and knows what's going on he knows the other players and he can and he's he was doing fine when he was in the team before same with Lloyd Sam as well who uh, a little bit different because we actually own him but perfectly adequate as a replacement for Snoddy especially if Snodgrass is on the bench so if he does yeah but those two have been injured on and off throughout the season they've not had a, a yeah I couldn't understand them not getting a regular run but I don't yeah. understand them never playing no, no. at all so turning our attention to the Tuesday game, first one up against Derby, can we expect some sort of changes to be made? We, do we need to rest a play here or there? Yeah, definitely. I would rest definitely Snodgrass, maybe Becchio. Just give other people a chance. But that, if you, sorry, if you're going to rest Becchio, though, who are you going to put in? Because Painter's still suspended, isn't he? Sommer. People say Sommer can't play up front by himself, but he's had one game by himself this season. And, you know, if you look at Becchio, some of the games he's played over the last few months, if you judged him on one game, sometimes you'd say he can't play up front by himself. I he think, didn't have a particularly good game against Forrest. He didn't win many headers, apart from the one he scored with. But I thought he was poor against Millwall as well, obviously he scored. But I, I don't think he's contributing very much at the moment. He's running himself ragged. He's putting himself about. But, but that's he's why he's always liable to be used. That's the problem, that's right. isn't it? That you're yeah. not necessarily going to get the same return from Sommer. But then that's what we were saying before about the midfield not getting the ball enough, is that maybe it's instead of having Becchio running himself ragged up front for absolutely no return, we need the midfield and whoever is playing up front, whether it's him or Summer, being a bit smarter. Because a lot of the time, I like Becky L for his effort, but sometimes you think he shouldn't have to be chasing balls all, all over the place and never getting them. Somebody should just give him the ball and let him 
that's the problem with playing one, one up front when your defence is just hoofing, up, hoofing it up front to, to chip for him to chase. Mm. And for all, for all Becky offers in terms of effort, defenders know that they can give him a bit of time and space with the ball at his feet because he's not someone like Sommer who's going to do a quick turn and nip in behind you. He's very much a... Take like a touch a, sort of man. Take it? a touch yeah. and then another one and then a, maybe another and then try and <laughs> play it out to a wing. He's, he's very good at what he does, but I think it's sometimes overlooked that in not offering certain things, the team lo- does lose out sometimes. But then he's always cropping up in the box just to smash it home or get his head in when when it bounces loose. So so it's... It swings and roundabouts, isn't it? <laughs> the yin and the yang of Luciano Becchio. It's also worth saying that we're all heading down for a square ball fun afternoon slash evening out for the Derby game, aren't we? We're all going in one car, so if there's no podcast in a fortnight, you'll know we didn't make it back. <laughs> I wish you'd stop making references to us dying in a fireball. Well, I am, I am driving. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a fireball, because you're no safer in a passenger seat in a burning car. <laughs> <laughs> I've pricked all the airbags as well. So yeah, it's good. it should be a fun evening out. First time all four of us have been to a game together. I got last thrown time. out last time I went to Derby. It's worth mentioning that probably. <laughs> for what? Uh, for being in the Derby end. All oh, right, then. well, that's understandable. We've won, we've won every time I've been to the uh, Pride Park. So we were relegated last time I went. And now we're going ball to die. <laughs> <laughs> we, so in this posthumous podcast, <laughs> will you allow us to watch the game before killing us? Or, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, just I'll, on the way home. I said on the forum today I'll do a sort of Thelma and Louise style over a ravine thing if we lose. All four of us. If it's Thelma and Louise style, is it just you and Michael and me and you'll get the train? (laughs) (laughs) So it should be fun, at least in one capacity. It's Derby and Leeds are playing. I don't know where the fun that you're looking forward to. We'll go to the pub first. Ah, okay, fair enough. So do we think we can uh, turn this defeat to Millwall on its head and get three points on a Tuesday night again? Now we've broken that duck at Preston. We have done. We've come back from bad defeats and won games occasionally just like that toss a savage in midfield to boss our flimsy midfield run him over yeah yeah, yeah we could yeah. do that Yeah, we'll find him before the game it's an option so. our best look for hairdressers so Derby do we fancy anything I fancy a few pints of Guinness yeah that, Yeah. that's our main hope Beer we'll see what else we get I'm worried about every game at the moment yeah Yeah. me too I mean Watford's if you asked me about Watford a long time ago and probably when we did I probably expected I may have used words like we'll smack them and they're useless. Mm, yeah, not so keen now. Danny Graham's still top scorer in the league. Yeah. <laughs> scoring a few, isn't he? But uh, they score a lot of goals. We score a lot of goals. We let in a lot of goals. So do they, they. Do they let in many? A fair amount, yeah. That will be all right. Yeah. Six all drop? Yeah, something like that. And then we're on the telly again against Reading on Good Friday. Will it be a great Friday? Reading are a bit good at the moment, yeah. which is a shame. Ian Hart's going to score, isn't he? Yeah. Having there's always already. a team that comes from mid-table and then yeah. get, sneaks into the playoffs, they could be the one. And possibly Millwall, and we'll drop out. Well, we, we normally do something silly, don't we, on, when we're on TV. We either win really well and it's a great game, or we just get thumped. And I just, I fear for that Reading game. Yeah. I fear for it. That's that's the one I'm, I'm most worried about. Maybe a, a Cardiff-style thumping on TV, Good Friday night. Spoil our Easter eggs. Playoff dreams evaporate. The thing with this league is that everyone seems equally capable of, uh, of messing it up because we've been in the playoffs for a very long time now but every week there's at least a couple of teams drop points where you think they should they should be picking them up so if Kimberly we do leads. if we if we do drop out then there's a fair old chance that the people who get in there will then start panicking and they'll drop out again nobody wants to go up exactly right okay fair enough and then finally the trip down to palace team that's not very good out of form i mean there's two games here that we should definitely win if we want if we want to go up but God knows. Do we want to go up? <laughs> well, we don't seem to be yeah, that Palace, good. one of the bogus sides we've had over the years. It's a long way off, isn't it? A lot could happen between now and then, so let's not go any further into Palace. Let's just... Let us remember Thomas Brolin running around with that bandage on his head. Perfect. Let's leave it there. So as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we are in the throes of putting together issue nine of the Square Ball magazine. Um, let's spin ahead very quickly to issue ten before we tell the listener about issue nine. Moscow... That won't confuse them much, will it? <laughs> Yes. So, sorry if, that, if those two numbers out of sequence confuse you, but Moscow and Michael, you went and interviewed Noel Whelan in the pub the other night, which is absolutely fantastic. So give us a quick uh, recollection of what happened there. And this, just to stress, is going to be an interview that's going to be in issue 10. Yeah, don't bother buying issue 9. <laughs> yeah, there is an awful lot to write up. He, um, Yeah, he, he loves Leeds more than I thought he would. I, I always expected him to, but he really, really loves Leeds. More than any footballer I've certainly ever met. 
or heard about. Give us, give us a few imagined. snippets then, because there's some absolute gold in there. We don't want to give it away too much before before we print the interview, but some teasers. Give us some teasers. He was quite forthright in his uh, views on Alan Smith's transfer, wasn't he? He, he, he certainly... Uh, I don't think it's a move that Noel personally would either make himself or endorse. That's a polite way of putting it. <laughs> there was a little bit more swearing in it than that, but um, <laughs> no, I think I think it was all uh, things we can agree with. And he made some good comments about uh, his relationship with lead shirts over the years. So now, yeah, that we need to keep the powder dry on that one because it's possibly the, one of the best things I've ever heard. You'll have to buy it to read it and find yeah. out. But he did he did mention during his time at Coventry that. Um, one time while out shopping, he bought a lead shirt and put it on and continued shopping around Coventry with a lead shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, he... he was very pleased about, um, as well, Leeds' victory over Nottingham Forest. It was just it was two days after that game that we spoke to him and he was delighted that we absolutely smashed them um, and looking forward to taking up his uh, his new role um, as an assistant coach in the Nottingham Forest Academy. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't seem to mind that... Uh, yes, he... Leeds' victory was perhaps more important than, than employment. Job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Moscow, you made a good point afterwards that you mentioned that for all the uh, Mr. Leeds United players we've had, David Batty, Alan Smith, the real Mr. Leeds United player was actually playing for Middlesbrough and Coventry. That that was the impression I came away with. Is it was kind of like you wanted interviewing Alan Smith in say two thousand and one to have been. It's like he was. It was all the things. He's that, that Leeds. Yeah. And yeah, he's just quietly getting on with his uh, his career at lesser teams whilst um, supporting Leeds. And it kind of ran throughout the whole thing that at every stage of his career and even now in his coaching career, it's where he wants to be. He doesn't particularly care about being anywhere else, even if the the money's better, the job's better. I think he would quite gladly put cones out at Thorpe Arch rather than be manager of <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Well, we'll look forward to that one a great deal in issue 10. That's going to be coming out for the Burnley match, last home game of the season. Uh, in the meantime, issue nine will be completed uh, in time for this weekend against Watford. Uh, we'll, it. That. <laughs> well, it's not completed at the time of recording, but you know, all being well, we've only got a magazine to put together, send it to print, and get down to Derby and back before Wednesday. So, um, fingers and toes crossed, it will be out for the weekend. Yeah. yeah, a quick rundown of the contents. Then we have an article on Don Revy. Which is done by Eddie Taylor. Yeah, nice comeback from Eddie, who wrote for the magazine years back. Didn't yeah, he? a fifteen-year hiatus between articles. A really good piece. Setting the record straight on some of the, the bribery nonsense and just correcting the man's legacy a little bit. What, Eddie Taylor's legacy. I didn't. Yeah. I've not heard these rumours about Eddie. I know the square ball. Don Reffy's legacy. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. I misunderstood you for comic effect. There's also a really good article in there as well from Robert Heath, uh, which you particularly liked, Moscow, didn't you, when you read through it? Yeah, I looked at that this afternoon, and um, it's about um, Cantona's move to uh, Scum. And you would have thought there wasn't much um, left to say about that, but that's until you find out that uh, this chap who um, was living in Portugal at the time, Robert Heath, went to uh, Cantona's debut match, a friendly against Benfica and then went back to their hotel and spent... It's, it's not far off stalking, to be fair, but Yeah, he's basically good. trying to sneak his way in to a quite a prestigious footballing event, basically to confront Cantona and ask him what had happened. And uh, it's a brilliant read. Look out for it. Yes. There'll be loads more stuff in the magazine. Just look out for our blog posting about it towards the weekend where you can get full details of what's going to be in this issue of The Square Ball. That is at thesquareball.net. Also, if you'd like to write something for issue 10, we're still open to contributions from you. If you've got something to say, get it written down, send it to us, email us, and you may well find it in the last issue of the Bumper Square Ball. That's issue 10 that's going to be out, as we said, for the Burnley game. And of course, you've got to buy it in person if you're heading down to Ellen Road. That's issue 9 that's going to be out this uh, this Saturday, as I've mentioned a couple of times. But I should stress, buy it, because we have it to sell. <laughs> Pretty much time to wrap up this edition of the Square Ball podcast then. Uh, before we say farewell, should mention that, Michael, you're not here next time when we're back in a fortnight. Selfishly, going on holiday with your girlfriend. Yeah, sorry. What's she got that we haven't? <laughs> Let's not even start on that. Let's... <laughs> Apart from you. <laughs> so what should we do then? What should we do to fill the empty chair? We can't get a tub of lard like they did on Have I Got News For You because you're not that big. Should we stick it out to the highest bidder? No, that could be dangerous, <laughs> isn't it? 
yes, we'll we'll consider our position and we will notify you via the usual channels as to what we're going to do regarding a replacement for Michael. Uh, the other option is that I'm going to ruin a what should be a lovely romantic break by appearing via via telephone. Um, <laughs> we'll see how I get on with that. We should at least give you a quick phone call anyway, just to check in and say hello, because it wouldn't be the same with you. Yeah, could do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already taking a laptop to work on issue 10 of the magazine. Dedication is what you need. So farewell from me, Michael. We won't see you next time, but bye for now. Bye-bye. You'll be in our thoughts. And Moscow White, say farewell. Farewell. And Oddie, say goodbye. Goodbye. And that's the end of this edition of the Square Ball podcast. We will return in a fortnight. We've got a royal wedding to talk about, haven't we? Our wrong podcast, sorry. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. The Square Ball podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.